Dawson. Drop that beat to start the episode. We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast. The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Share the experience of Romantic Truth with friends on Google, CastBox, Spotify, Podcast Addict, Radio Public, Breakers, Apple, or any other podcast platform. Just type in Romantic Truth in the search and subscribe. Now, here is the host of Romantic Truth, Jowson. Hi everyone, it's March 5th, 2022. Emotionally unavailable. That's the topic of the day for this episode. And let's get into it. Now, when people talk about being emotionally unavailable, what does that mean? Usually, it means they're preoccupied emotionally with something else. So they may be on a dating site, they may try to go out and meet new people to try to start a relationship, but the fact is, there's something that's preoccupying their emotional space. A lot of times it has to do with an ex. Most often, they've been dumped or the situation did not work out and the two had to break up for some reason. And therefore, they are still comfortable with that ex. Now, this means that if they go forward into another relationship, that ex always has the key to that person's heart. Meaning that they can always come in, they can sleep with them. They could determine how the relationship is structured, even though they're not in a relationship, technically. And therefore, that other person is more or less a showpiece. That new person may be nothing but a prop. Maybe that person is one of these individuals that has an issue with emotional abandonment. They're going to cling and hold on to the thing that's a sure bet, which is the past relationship. That new relationship has to grow. And in essence, it has to be a situation that once she feels comfortable or he feels comfortable in it, what's gonna happen is they're gonna gradually let go of the past and grab to the future. But here's the problem with that. This person has difficulty in letting go of the past. And some will actually try to get something acceptable, such as, well, I'm seeing someone else, but I want to see you. Or they may even go as far as to lie and say that they are married to this other person and they want to be with you. And that's to justify the solidification of their past relationship so that they can have their cake and eat it too. Now, this is not uncommon. Another thing. A lot of you guys who wind up waiting for women to have sex with them, there's a good possibility while you're waiting, and it's a 90-day rule or whatever she may impose, it could be a situation where she's comfortable because she's still sleeping with her ex, so she has all the time in the world before she becomes intimate with you. She has someone that she's accountable to. She has someone that she's committed to. All of the attributes of a relationship that you would desire with her She's instead focusing that on the past person in the relationship. Now, here's the thing. Even if the guy says he doesn't want to be with her anymore, she's going to remain available. And this is what he wants. Because as long as she's available, if he has a problem with his new woman, or they have a falling out or something like that, he can pick up his ex, they can go on a trip somewhere, reconcile for a little bit as far as they can go, and then come back and go back to their spouses or partners. The whole thing, folks, is that this comes down to a situation where this person is not confident in their own ability to go out and find someone else. They're not confident when it comes down to being alone. They feel as though if they're alone, they've been abandoned in some way and therefore they are very needy in that respect. People don't like using that word, but that's what it comes down to. Now, these people will also 
try to absorb as much time as possible with that ex. So if the ex has a birthday party, for instance, she's going to try to be included in it. If she can't, she's going to make sure that after the party, he comes over to visit her or else comes over the next day or the day prior to the birthday. But in some way, she's going to insert herself in that person's life or allow herself to be available for that person's discretion at any time. Now, the interesting thing is if this person gets injured, hurt, locked up, something like that, usually they spring into action and they want to take the lead. So if the person's with a partner, she's going to overtalk, overdo, and go to the nth degree in order to make sure that that partner is taken care of, primarily ex-partner is taken care of, primarily because she wants to shine so that there's a possibility they can reconcile and get things started back again. And not only that, it also puts the woman that he's with at a lower station when it comes down to recognition by him. In other words, she's going and proving herself to him once again. Now keep in mind, folks, if you're ever in a relationship where you're still proving yourself to that person, that means you're not adequate for that person. You're not adequate in your own mind in regards to your own efforts for that relationship. So this is reflective. If your partner tells you, you don't have to prove yourself to me, you've already done so. At that point, what they're saying to you is, you need to let go of your insecurities. I'm not leaving. Now, another thing too to keep in mind with this, it could be something else, something totally abstract. It could be a career that they're preoccupied with. And what happens, they decide it's an afterthought. You know what? Uh, yeah, I've been working so hard, I forgot to have a relationship. Let me just go and grab somebody offline. And they'll go and grab this person and basically go out with them. And what they will do is try to bring their business project or whatever it is, a career, into the conversation of the relationship. And what they're looking for is someone that's going to be complicit with their efforts towards uh, achieving that goal. Now, that goal has a priority over the relationship itself. Only thing that person is is nothing more than attachment to that particular endeavor. That's all they are. And they're along for the ride, in other words. So really, the individual doesn't need a relationship doesn't really want one, but they just had that afterthought of, yeah, well, you know, I need to be with somebody because I get lonely every once in a while, or I just need someone to give another opinion about the career I'm choosing or the project I'm working on or the business I'm trying to open. So it's a utilitarian type of approach that they use with this person, and that's basically it. Now, the relationship will be very vague when it comes to true emotions, true love, because the only thing this person really loves, believe it or not, is their career, their endeavor, whatever they're doing. That has priority over the existing, the new relationship. Same thing holds true when a person is looking back at the ex. They're not looking forward and they stumble in the first relationship that they get after the ex. Now, there are some other complications that we need to speak about that commonly comes up with this. And that is attention, priority. What happens then, the new person becomes less of a priority and they're filled with more excuses. And the person who is the priority, that ex, is the priority. So they will schedule their lives around the ex's schedule as opposed to the new person's schedule. And so it would be more or less a convenient time when maybe the ex is busy with his girlfriend, spouse, or whatever, then she'll say something to the effect of, well, you know, I have this weekend off so we can do this or do that. Where in actuality, it's all about, I can't get with my ex, so I'll just be with you for this time being. Now, both men and women do this. Now, another thing that comes about too is this. They're also quick to establish friends with benefits relationships with the new person. The reason why they do this is just so that that person would be a stopgap just in case there are long dry spells where this person cannot be with the ex that they're still pursuing. So that 
secondary person that they bring into their lives. Then we have a lot of measures, a lot of standards to meet, a lot of guidelines and rules to abide by. And not only that, they may be in a position where they're at a total disadvantage when it comes to the relationship prospering. In other words, they may tell them up front, hey, don't get serious. This is just something we're going to do. Uh, we just want to have fun. I'm not looking for a long-term relationship. I'm not looking for a relationship. I'm just looking for somebody to kick it with casual dating, hookup, whatever. And the reason why they're qualifying this is because they have this person, this ex, that they're going to try to go back and harvest again in mind. That person is priority. Now, why do some people do this? They do this for several reasons. One, they feel as though they need to complete themselves with that person. You know that term, you complete me? There are some people that literally live and die by that term, meaning that if they lost that person, they will feel incomplete. So even if things aren't working out between the two of them, they will try to rationalize some kind of way of qualifying themselves, getting with that person so they can have that completion. Now, it doesn't mean that they'll be complete even if they got the person back. The only thing that means they will feel comfortable emotionally. But many of the components of the reason why they broke up are still there and still viable. But they don't care about that. So the standards that they may have set for that person initially, they may drop all of them just to have that person back. That includes their standards for personal integrity, uh, for any kind of morals, whatever it takes. If the boyfriend requires her to be in a threesome with his new girl, she has to be down for it, and she would more than likely capitulate. Now, this means that the other person that she's dealing with, he's going to be accommodated according to the way she feels about her partner. Now, when I say partner, I'm talking about her ex. Now, here's the thing. A lot of times, what they will do is they may start out with a platonic relationship with that secondary person, and they're going to take that relationship very slow. In fact, they may tell that person up front something like, well, we're not going to have sex for a very long time, so, you know, I got to get to know you better, and that buys them time in order to try to go and pursue their situation with the new person, I mean, with the ex. Now, here's the thing. If they do happen to rekindle the relationship with the ex, it's not uncommon for them to let the guy that they had brought into their lives go because he becomes less relevant. He's only relevant for several things. One's to make the ex jealous. Two, to show the ex that she's gotten over him, at least uh, in a demonstrative way, not necessarily where it's actually true. The other way is they also want to show their friends and family and everyone else that they're strong and that they can endure heartbreak. It kind of gives them a pat on the back. Because, see, the thing is, is that many of these women will prefer, men do it too, prefer to be on the down low if they rekindle with the ex because they have probably said some things and done some things and told people things that they would have problems explaining if they were to reveal that they have gone back. So this is done usually covertly, where they'll go back because now they've told their girlfriends and everybody else how much of a dog he was, etc., etc., and they don't want to eat crow, so they'll keep it quiet. Now, here's the other thing. The ex may decide to lay the ground rules. She's going to capitulate to those ground rules. Same thing with men when they go back to women sometimes. They'll do the same thing. And so the ground rules may be, and the standards may be, uh, don't contact me on the weekend. Don't text me. I'll text you. There may be terms such as, we'll meet at this hotel, or I'll only meet at your place, or you can only meet at mine. It may be a situation where all birthdays are definitely going to be spent with my new partner. I will spend the day after my birthday with you or holidays or whatever. They will have it structured so that what they're doing is they're allowing this person back into their lives. I want you to think about it like if you were in the military and you got demoted and they took all your stripes from a sergeant, which is an E5 
back to a private, which is an E1. And what you're trying to do now is to get those stripes back. So you'll capitulate and do whatever is uh, required in order to get those stripes back, to get your recognition back, get your dignity back, and all those things. Now, here's the interesting thing. If they happen to get their ex back and things are going a little bit better, now understand, they will have to make a lot of compromises for this to happen. In some cases, they will have to throw out their standards altogether and not even have any standards for that individual. Remember back in a few podcasts ago, I talked about how some people you have to just have no standards for? In this case, that's what happens with this situation a lot of times. So with that, they're just glad to be back in that person's good graces. So therefore, if they decide to go and present themselves with this partner, they'll tell them that, hey, we've reconciled things, we've fixed things. Uh, they may even go so far as to say, well, you know, he came around and got his senses back and realized he was missing a good thing and I thought I'd give him a second chance and we're stronger than we were before, etc., etc. Now, what this does is shakes the confidence in her judgment of those who observed this thing happening when they broke up and now they're back together. So, when she would complain again, it would fall on deaf ears because they would look at her more as a hypocrite than someone that's really about it. We'll talk more in just a moment. Don't forget to listen to Jowson's original EDM, techno, and house music tracks on Apple Music, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Just search for Jowson J-A-U-S-A-N for the playlist. Also, you may go to YouTube and search for Jowson Topic. Enjoy. Now let's talk about what has changed if this person happens to get their ex back. Usually nothing. The same circumstances in which they broke up still exist in most cases. Now there are some exceptions where the individual will say, hey, I've changed and I think we can do this. Usually the person that would say, I've changed would not be the person being pursued. It would be the person who's doing the pursuing. So in that way, they will try to go and kind of modify that person's opinion of them based on that quote-unquote change that they did. Now, a common thing that people do when they go through this process is they will say something where they transfer blame, shame, and guilt onto the partner by saying, well, I changed for you in order for this to possibly work again. So what they're saying is, I'm blaming you for what was wrong with the relationship. I'm shaming you by telling you I had to do something for you that you couldn't do for me. And they've transferred the guilt by saying, you ought to be ashamed of yourself and you should respect me and take me back because I made these sacrifices for you. So they're laying it on thick and they're trying to get to this person's uh, moral consciousness in order to have a stake, to have a viable means in order to get back into the relationship. Now, one thing that these people will do when they try to get back into the relationship is they're going to try to assert power as soon as they can. Now, usually this means that if this individual is with a female, they have to figure out some kind of way. If it's a woman that's uh, pursuing her ex-boyfriend, for instance, she's got to have some way of discrediting that female. And this is where she's going to go first because, after all, she's the biggest threat. Now that this guy is talking to her again, the guy is sleeping with her again, the guy is giving her the time of day again, and like I said, this can happen with men, with women as well. What happens then, it gets to a point where they say, okay, now my biggest threat is to start separating him from his new girl. 
And so things will take place such as she may be a lot more obsequious with him, meaning that more servantile. She may go up and beyond the scope of doing things for him, maybe cleaning up his apartment when he's away, uh, things such as cooking him meals and dropping them off. But she wants to do it in a context where the other woman knows that this has been done, maybe with birthday party or a gift, Give him something that really stands out. Something that's well out of the scope of the other woman and something that also relates closer to what he likes more so than what she does. Because see, the one thing that she's going to use to her advantage is that, hey, I know him better than you. So I know what he likes. You still have to learn what he likes. And so this is going to be the thing. Now, sexually, she's going to do pretty much everything possible to please him oral anal whatever it takes because at this point she's in direct competition with this other woman now the one thing that she may not want to do and some do some don't and that is she may try to assert power over him in other words trying to bring him in under her manipulation so in this way once she's done this and got him chasing after her. That's where she feels as though she's accomplished her goal. So what she would do instead is to make herself so irresistible that he actually starts to respect her more, even more than they were in the relationship prior, and then make her a priority. And once she gets to that priority status, the other woman he was with gets the excuses, she gets the priority, the prime times, filling and setting in the thing. Now, once she's done that and positioned herself strategically in this position, the one thing she has to do is to break the confidence of the other woman. Now, how is that done? Very easily. Women are very good as far as tearing each other down, criticisms. She will try to befriend her and become a friend of hers in the context of breaking her down. She may do this behind her man's back, behind her ex's back, by establishing a relationship with her first, a friendship. And then she gets a chance to see up close the weaknesses and strengths. Now, she may do this covertly, where she may try to act like she's teaming up with her to tell her about him. But in essence, what she's doing is actually teaming up with her to find out information, to find out her weaknesses so that she can use those weaknesses against her with him. Now, when it comes down to the emotional condition of a person, let me tell you something. There are no limits. There are no boundaries as to how far a person will go when they're emotional to get what they want. In a situation like this, the person is desperate, literally. And so everything else becomes irrelevant to them. Now, some of the other things that these people may do, they may give themselves away after a breakup. So take for instance, the guy breaks up with her. So she wants to really hurt him. And so what she does, she goes out and may sleep with his boyfriend. Some of these young girls sleep with the guy's dad. Some of these girls may sleep with his brother, cousin, friend, family member. But what she usually tries to do is to make it as close as possible and make it hurt as deep as it can. Some may even go as far as to sleep with a female member of the family if they find out that one of them may be bisexual or have some other curiosities. Anything in order to let that person that broke up with them know that, hey, I'm still going to be in your life regardless. There was an email that I received back in 2020 where a woman found her husband cheating, left the husband, went over to the brother's house for consolation. The brother wound up sleeping with her and eventually they started dating and eventually she went on and got with him. She cheated on him back with her ex he finds out about it. She leaves him and then starts sleeping with their cousin. 
And the reason why this is done is because that person still wants to be part of that network of people and they're comfortable with that whole environment. Now, most rational people would do what? They would leave. They would walk away. They would say, hey, enough of this, I'm done. After a breakup. But these folks have those emotional ties, especially if there's a child involved. Now, this is where we're going to turn the corner. There are a lot of baby moms out there, a lot of women who have children who run ads on dating sites looking for a new guy. And they wonder why a lot of times men are very skeptical about dealing with single moms. And that's because that baby's daddy, they have more of a priority and may have more access than she's actually letting on to. So she may tell the guy something to the effect of, well, you know, me and the baby's father, we don't get along, we don't have a relationship, etc. And he buys that at face value. Meanwhile, he may be giving her $200 a week, sleeping with her so that she doesn't put him on child support. And so in that way, things are okay. Now, if she's ever found out, she might tell him something like, well, you're going to just have to deal with it because he's the baby's father and I have a good relationship with him and you just got to come along for the ride. Remember the X factor I talk about? This is part of that X factor. This is when she would probably drop the shoe and let you know, hey, this is what's really happening here. So they may reveal that later on. Now, guys do this too with babies' mamas where they sleep with them and that kind of thing and tell the new girl that, hey, you know, I'm single and I'm not dealing with anyone. Another thing too. There may be an air of jealousy. So take, for instance, the lady may have her ex and she's still seeing him on and off. And the new guy that she's with, she's demanding him to take her out to five-star restaurants. Meanwhile, she's cooking her ex home-cooked meals in order to appease him. But would never consider that with the guy that's pursuing her. And this is the reason why, guys, you have to watch out about the type of woman that you deal with. And if she's a single mother, you have to be hyper-vigilant about this. Because this happens more often than you think. Now, another thing too. Just because a woman sleeps with you and says she's looking for a relationship doesn't necessarily mean she's really looking for a relationship. She could be looking for the attention. So she goes and she grabs you off a dating site, Tinder, whatever, and she's flaunting you around town, wanting to go to all these wonderful and nice places to be seen with you so that a word will get back to her ex that she's moved on. But what it is, it's a big show. It's to say, yeah, well, I can move on without you, but in the event, you're not happy with her, you can always come back to me. Because what she's looking for is that contact from him to let him know, for him to let her know, hey, I saw you with so-and-so. And once she gets that, a smile gets on her face, and before you know it, she's like, okay, we're communicating again. I got a shot. And this is the way they play the game. Because it's all a game, folks. But it's an emotional game and you're dealing with people's lives. Now, the other aspect of this too is that when it comes down to getting serious, the new guy that's trying to get to her and everything, talking about future marriage, kids, and all these things, she's going along with it, playing it by ear. However, he may do something like he might date her over a period of time, we'll say two years. And then he pulls out an engagement ring and she turns him down. Fellas, if you ever get turned down for engagement, don't ever ask her again. At that point, end the relationship. Don't continue the relationship. Oh, we don't have to worry about getting married. We, we could just stay uh, friends with benefits. What she's doing at this point is she's positioning herself 
so that she'll be available for the next ride that comes in that she thinks is going to catapult her forward. So what happens for you, you wind up just being a spectator in the relationship. Because at that point, she has no plans on being with you. You've gone as far as you could go in that relationship, and she turns you down with that uh, proposal. So just keep that in mind. It's not uncommon for a lot of these women to go and get a new guy and tell him no sex before marriage, even though she may have three or four kids. She's doing that because she wants to keep track of her being with her ex. So that if she does get pregnant, she knows who the dad is and she has validation to go there with him. Because if she needs sex, she'll get it from him, not the new guy. Because the new guy is nothing more than a stand-in, a flunky, a person that she could just flash in front of him. And eventually, what happens with the new guy, he becomes either a 3 o'clock guy or a 6 o'clock guy. Meaning that he's going to be the guy that she's going to treat like a, a gopher. Or he's going to be the party guy that's going to be the guy that's going to always take her out. And when she's about ready to get rid of him and she's done using him, she's going to invite her girlfriends out and they're all going to go out and the girlfriends are going to act like clitoference. Or in other words, they're going to be blocking him from trying to make uh, romantic overtures to order. So they're going to be the people that are going to tell him, you know, she's not interested in you. You might as well give up. Uh, you know, maybe you should talk one, to one of the other girls. Because what she's doing at that point is she's used him for what she wanted to. He was just that prop. And what she will do is have the rest of these women to go out with, the, go out with her and have him pay the tab for all of them for drinks, meals, and that kind of thing. And of course, he doesn't want to disappoint her so by her setting that standard for him he knows going out he's got to pay for three or four of the women besides the woman he wants and so they will keep him preoccupied and distracted so that in that way she can have fun and still do her thing she may be as goes may go so far and i've seen this done in the clubs where she will go take the guy out with her girlfriends and when I say take her out, I mean where he's paying for everything. They just show up at the club. He's paying for drinks, food, and everything else. They're having a wonderful time. The girlfriends are keeping him preoccupied. Meanwhile, she's already invited her ex to that establishment. And she winds up dancing and spending most of the evening with the ex. And the girlfriends are playing defense for her. And, of course, this new guy may feel intimidated dealing with the ex and so therefore he kind of settles in and deals with one of the other women sadly this is the way we treat each other in our modern day more in a moment folks Now, let's talk about a person that's preoccupied with an endeavor as opposed to an ex. Most of the same rules apply, except for one thing. The commitment is to something they're trying to accomplish, whether it's a career move, whether it's a network marketing scheme of some sort, whether it is a company they're trying to build. Maybe it's a situation at the church where they're taking on a role of responsibility there, but whatever it is, they're going to make sure that that is the preoccupation of their time. Now, that individual that they bring into their lives, they're just, again, an also-ran. They're just an employee, in essence. So the person may have a grand idea for something, and through their screening of that individual in the beginning, they're trying to find out what skill sets are applicable to their endeavor. And if they find that individual with those skill sets, they don't care so much about his character, background, those kind of things. They're irrelevant. Because what this person has in mind for them is for a function for them to do in their lives that's going to propel them forward, career-wise, or through their projects or whatever. And that's all they're concerned with. 
Now, certain things that are established, intimacy is prolonged. So they may say something like, you know, I have to get to know you a little bit better. So maybe in about a year or so, we can be intimate or whatever. They don't have any problem establishing that up front. And the reason why they do this is because they want to buy it enough time for them to get as much work out of them as possible before they let them go. This is usury at its finest, folks. So they're not concerned about anything related to that person's uh, future ambitions with that individual. So the expectations are basically set rather low. Now, the thing is, is that as this person tries to make demands, what this individual will constantly throw in their face is that, hey, uh, you knew going into this relationship how much this business meant to me, how much this career meant to me. And they may ask questions such as, would you mind having to relocate if I were to go out of state? And you may be thinking, well, you know, we could do that to have that relationship together. But that person's thinking, I'm going to need a flunky when I go out of state. I'm going to need somebody that could probably be a benefactor. So if I pursue this endeavor, I will need money. So therefore, this person, if they have good skill sets and they make a pretty decent amount of money, they could help finance me. And this is the way they look at it. It could be for music projects. It could be for anything. And so they look at this person as more of a utilitarian option and nothing more than that. They're nothing but a meal. Now, another thing with this also, that person may want to be intimate. Now, here's the thing. That individual that's not emotionally available, they will do just enough to keep this person in the relationship. They're going to do it just enough to make this person feel as though they would miss out on something. And as long as they do that, they have enough rope in order to hang themselves. Because the thing is, if that person gives up, they're going to always say, well, you know what? I'm done with this because I, you led me on, so on, so on, so on. Well, no, you just might miss out because I'm, I got this coming up. So it's always the next new thing. And that's what's the draw to keep them constantly coming back, to keep them constantly involved. Now, as these um, incentives increase in number and frequency, that means that the payoff has to be bolder. So as they're going through, they may exaggerate the claims of what can happen if this project or this company or this career comes to fruition. And in essence, they're leading them on. Men do this a lot with women. And what happens is when this happens, this person's expecting a big payout or a big payoff or some kind of major advancement. And sometimes they don't get it. But a lot of times this person will go and build them up to that point. Now, one thing to keep in mind about this, that person is not emotionally available. They change usually when they get to that point of success. And when they get to that point, guess what? Most often than not, the person that was there with them the whole time waiting, they don't see them in the light of being a person they would be wanted want to be in a relationship with. Instead, they look for someone on par in their peer group. So that person that they had led on all this way is like a subordinate to them. So they want someone that's on their level or higher. And so it's not uncommon after this person reached their goal to go and to end the relationship and tell them, hey, you know what? Yeah, we, we went through some hard times, but you're not really the person I expected you to be. And usually it's a put down, some sort of condescending way they put this person back. But what they will also do is to tear at that person's self-esteem so they will not have the initiative to go forward and to try to pr uh, provide, try to go and 
go forward in the relationship. So they'll sit back and say, well, damn, okay, uh, I guess I don't qualify. And of course, their standards are raised. And when the standards are raised, they make sure that they freeze that person who helped them along the way out. Now, this can occur in different ways. It could be one of these ambient type relationships where the person just wants somebody around while they're working on something to get the accolades, the attention, and the admiration. That's it. They don't need that person as far as emotional support or anything like that. Their ego is big enough for that. They just need that person there just to have someone in the room and possibly someone to have sex with or be intimate with when they so desire. Now, usually, the energy that these people will spend will go more towards their project, their endeavor, than the relationship. The relationship's nothing more than an afterthought. These are the people that usually will haggle over at a car dealership about a contract over the payments on a vehicle, but will take a relationship at face value and not really do their due diligence and go on because they really don't care. That's a lower priority for them. It's an afterthought, and that's all it is, and it will never have any more merit than that. Now, they are inconsiderate about the person's feelings that they're with. They'll do just enough in order to keep a smile on their face on occasion. That's it. They're going to find flaws in that individual early on. The reason why they want to do that is to shake that person's confidence so they can have more control over them. And they're going to try to guide that person in their direction of supporting their career, their endeavor, their project, their business, or whatever. And the reason why they do this in particular is because in that way, that person's going to try their hardest to impress them. And this person can establish their expectations for that individual to try to be impressed by them. Even though the fact of the matter is the only person that's going to benefit from this is going to be the people that the person is not emotionally available. And this is how people do this. It's a level of detachment and usury that's profound. Now, another aspect of this is also as this person advances they will go and allow this person to meet other people along the way. But here's the thing with them. As they climb their social ladder, they do not want their partner directly communicating with anyone that they are introduced to. They want to have that luxury to themselves. So, in other words, this person will be the go-to person for anything that were to happen. Now, as a bone that they may throw to this individual they're in a relationship with, this person, this partner, may be doing something for them on their business, such as maybe artwork, maybe uh, setting up IT, a database, or something of that sort. Well, what they will do is refer someone else to them. And they're not doing it for the benefit of their partner. They're doing it for the benefit of making themselves look good in the light of the person they're trying to impress by recommending this individual. And so, of course, that enhances their credibility and it makes them a little bit more in line with that sort of environment, those sort of individuals. Clout is what it does for them. Now, another thing too, This individual that they're with may try to go and do something on their own endeavor. The only problem is, it's a threat to the person that's emotionally unavailable. So they're going to figure out a way in order to compartmentalize that effort and say something like, you know, uh, I'm going to need you about four hours a week with me. I need more time with you. And they'll be in the context of a relationship of, hey, I need more time with you. But that time you're spending with them, you're working on their business, you're working on their career, and that's the only reason why they really want you in their lives in the first place. And so what that does, it puts that other person back when it comes down to working on their own endeavors or career or whatever. 
and they do that for a specific reason. They want that individual to get to a point of making their interest a low priority and making their partner's interest the highest priority. And so, by doing so, they have control over that person's time, over that person's effort. And it's not uncommon for them to be overly critical of their partner's endeavor, whatever they're doing. And by doing this, what it does is shakes their confidence in doing something for themselves. And they become more dependent on that emotionally unavailable person to go on and do what they care to do. Now, here's the thing you have to understand also. These individuals will actually prioritize animals over their partner. So, their cat Fluffy, their dog Fido, would have more of a priority over them. So take for instance, their partner may be on hard times and need some money, or may need something to be done that would be a favor for them. Well, this type of person will take that dog to the vet and spend $1,000 on their shots or whatever they need, as opposed to lending this person $200 to help them with a bill or something of that sort. And that includes things such as a ride to a job or something of that sort. Because the way they look at it is, if it's not pertaining to me and what I have in mind, it's costing me money. It's costing me time. And they will be grossly inconvenienced and will let you know it if they had to do something. But if it comes down to their partner, they expect the partner to do it immediately. But as far as they see it, for them doing something for the partner, it's going to be an encumbrance and it's going to take them off their game and they really will have a problem with that. Because as you can see, these people are very detached. It's almost like they're sociopathic in a way. They don't care about really what happens with their partner. And it's love in name only. Leno. Love in name only is all this relationship is. And so, after they've reached their goal, they dispose of that partner, break their heart or whatever, change their phone number, relocate, maybe go to a new address after they've become wealthy, famous, rich, you name it. And therefore, that person's left behind. These are the people that usually write these tell-all books later on after someone's successful because this is what has happened to them in that process. These are the people who will go and try to sue later on because that person was successful and they benefited off of that person's back in order to be successful. And it could very well be where they take creative elements from this person's uh, input Take, for instance, the person may write a song, for instance, if you're in the music industry, and they may like a couple of lyrics in there and put those lyrics into a song that they created and make money off of it, break up with the person, and therefore this person's trying to sue them in court, and it can manifest in that way. But the one thing to keep in mind is, at any turn, objects outweigh anything that's human with these types of individuals with this mindset. Inanimate objects have more value than this person does. That includes money, animals, anything but a human being. And these people are some of the other emotionally unavailable individuals. We'll talk more in just a moment. Don't forget to listen to Jowson's original EDM, techno, and house music tracks on Apple Music, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Just search for Jowson J-A-U-S-A-N for the playlist. Also, you may go to YouTube and search for Jowson Topic. Enjoy. Alright, there's another preoccupation that fosters emotional unavailability. 
and that is, of course, oh, I hate to say it, but it has to do with trauma. There's some people that are traumatized from events in the past. It could be a bad relationship, could have been a horrible childhood, but whatever it is, it's going to definitely prevent this person from ever being emotional with anyone else, intimate or anything else. Now, the main factor that usually comes about after this, abandonment issues and trust issues. Those are usually the two. So, they may be lonely and run an ad on any of these dating sites, get with the person, but they go through the motions of being with this person in a relationship, but they're actually uncomfortable. Now, what they're doing a lot of times is challenging themselves against some of their fears. So, this is how people will use relationships as a form of therapy. And they may set expectations up front. Let's not get serious. I will have a casual dating relationship. And from that point forward, expectations are set where this person is going to be in what I call a popcorn relationship, meaning that popcorn has no nutritional value. So therefore, that relationship doesn't either. Now, here's the thing. Take, for instance, it could be sexual abuse that they had in the past. Well, the reason why they don't want to get involved in a relationship with this person is, one, they don't like being not being in control of the situation. And number two, they don't like having to listen to someone else because they had to listen to their abuser. When things had taken place, they had certain rules and guidelines they had to abide by, as so, though... <coughs> Excuse me. Therefore, they have some other issues that they have to contend with. And so the best thing for them is to kind of sit back and say, well, you know, let's just have this casual relationship. And meanwhile, this person may be as promiscuous as ever with this individual. And that's because they're acting out on some of the things that they were valued for by the, their molester or their abuser, meaning that the abuser may have want them to have sex a certain way or do a certain thing to them, to their partner, well, to, to the abuser. And so this individual may still be in the mindset of acting out with this new partner and in some cases not being told what to do. Now, there are others who may choose to have their partner tell them what to do. But they still don't want to be vulnerable in the sense of this person controlling them in a relationship. So in the bedroom, they may ask for that kind of control of that other individual. Now, it could very well be that this individual has overcompensated in their external life by becoming a CEO of a company, by maybe, you know, conquering the world damn near. But they have that submissive vulnerability that has to be met as well. And that's that side of them, that vulnerable side, that they try to camouflage and mask in public with these overachieving endeavors. These people are very independent, usually. Very fiercely independent. Many times they're very successful. In many cases, very well off. But they may have that distinct quality in them and the person that they'll be with is going to be someone that would in public would be intimidated against intimidated by because this person may have a college degree and everything and their partner only has a high school diploma so in that way that individual can always put them in their place as they see it in the bedroom however things change up and this individual can be dominant, they may ask them to tell them to do certain things that are degrading, and they will go and participate in that process. Now, that person may be kind of green behind the ears at first, and so 
this individual that's emotionally unavailable will force them or show them how to treat them in that context so that they will know. And the reason why emotional unavailability works so well here for them is the fact that they know everything that they're acting out with with this person that person will never have the control over them and they may interpret control as being in a relationship where they have to be accountable and they have to answer to someone that's the aspect of it when it came down to abuse that they didn't want to have to deal with because that was the thing that hurt the most the loss of control their loss of self, their loss self of self-worth and value. Well, being that they have overachieved and externally they've got the validation with the job and career and everything, when it comes down to the bedroom, they want to be in charge. They want to be the one that will tell that individual what to do to them. Even though it may be degrading to them, they have control because they can stop it at any time, they can start it back up at any time, they have that influence. And so with that, they have a little bit more confidence in that. And they have confidence going in, in themselves, even though that insecurity and that vulnerability is still there lingering. Now, here's the thing. Even though they have the strength with this partner, and have the strength externally. If they were to confront their abuser, it'd be a visceral reaction. And they would really go over the top when it comes down to it because the thing is when they see that person, it symbolizes how they didn't have any control, any self-worth, any value, any external value, any social value. They didn't have someone that they could mistreat beneath them to feel their pain so in that sense this is why a lot of them don't confront their abuser so instead what they'll do they'll go on and get with someone downline that they find in a relationship that they can control now they may decide to start abusing that person it depends, but usually what will happen is they will have that kind of um, a situation where that vulnerability would have to be met. So they may be dominant in the workplace where they have men working for them, but, <coughs> excuse me again, but when they come home, they may have a guy that is not as high powered and doesn't have a degree and doesn't have these nice jobs, nice automobiles and life lifestyle that can kind of give her orders under her discretion to do things so that she will feel as though there's a sense of balance in the way. Because the trauma that she experienced, and I'm just using she, it could be a he as well, and in this situation could be reversed. The trauma that this person experienced is something that they're still trying to grapple with. And this is what happens a lot of times when people have not, you know, really sorted things out for themselves in therapy. And the one thing that they never want to do is to be vulnerable, out of control. They want to be vulnerable in the sense of being in a bedroom. They just don't want that to be the staple for their emotions all the way through. That's the reason why they overachieve externally, outside on the job. Now, others may choose to become more dominant in the bedroom and more passive externally. So they may take on the characteristics of being that submissive person at work, that person that's volunteering to do everything, that person that never complains, that person that never has a problem, but when they get online, they may become more domineering. They may get a guy who's more submissive. And with that, they can kind of lord over him. You see a lot of women do this on Instagram and different uh, platforms. Where they have all these male followers. And 
they treat them just like their fans. They walk all over the top of their heads emotionally. And therefore, if they choose one, he's basically going to have to be subservient. And she can go and exercise whatever she cares to do. Now, it also may manifest itself in the form of, like, strippers, for instance, a prime example. They try to make a man pay for the indiscretions that happened to her in the past. Well, since I have gotten the attention of the wrong people in the past and I wasn't paid for it, I will get the attention of these men and they will pay dearly for my pain. They're going to want me and I'm going to treat them poorly. I'm going to treat them like I was treated when I was abused. And this is the way they look at it. And so with this, they marginalize the men. And by doing so, it makes them feel that more secure in themselves because this is what they have to do. And they will flirt with these men. They will go and tell them that we'll think about a relationship because the whole thing is they want the attention, but they want the attention this time with their control. See, before, they may have drawn the attention of someone when they were at a younger age or something like that where they couldn't really defend themselves, and that person took advantage of them. And so they had no control while they were being taken advantage of. In this situation, however, they have full control. Don't touch me. You can't touch me. It's against the house rules. I can touch you. If you want me to lap dance with you, it's $50. If you want me to talk to you, it's $25. If you want to go out with me, it's $200. Or whatever the fee is. It's to always make it make him pay and the money she earns has to do with the equation of the pain she had experienced prostitutes do this a lot now this also may go in the direction of relationships in general where she's going out and she's telling this guy that she wants a five star restaurant he goes out and does it then she says, okay, I want you to also buy me a burka bag. I want also red bottom shoes. I want all these other things. And he's going out there and he's getting these things for her. But she has no intentions of falling in love with him. She loves what then what one of these one thing that these women like is they love what these men do for them, but they don't love the men. And so they will never get to a point where their hearts would be broken if these guys were to leave. They would look at their bank account first and say, damn, I got to get more money because they objectified the men just like they were objectified when they were abused. That's the way that works. So with that objectification, they take away his humanity and he's nothing more than what they felt as though they were when they were molested or raped or abused. They feel as though they're worthless. Now, this is the reason why it's important, ladies, when you've been abused in any kind of situation, to get to counseling. So you can forgive yourself first, and you won't carry that anger and that malice inside you so that it won't destroy you. A lot of you try to self-medicate. I remember the days back when I was younger, and some of these girls used to tell me how they were molested. And at that time, they couldn't tell anybody but their friends. And then we would bring it up. And then that would be a problem because the person would deny. And the reason why she would deny is because she didn't want to get into trouble. And these are the things that would happen. And then you tell a teacher or something like that, and then you don't have any cooperation from the individual. Because they're thinking, well, they got to have a meal tonight. I got to have a place to stay. And this is the way it was. And the parents, a lot of times, would tell them, shut up, it's family secret, etc., etc. So these are just three of the reasons why many of these people 
that you meet on dating sites are emotionally unavailable. They can either be preoccupied with an ex, preoccupied with uh, business, job, career, you name it. Or they could be preoccupied with abuse of the past. Tomorrow we're going to talk about another part of this emotional unavailability. And that is the pursuit of something that does not exist. Stay tuned. We at Romantic Truth appreciate your listenership. Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned, or endorsed by Romantic Truth, Anchor or any of its affiliates. The advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal, marital, or family, counseling, or for professional practice purposes. In the event for professional assistance, please contact the local licensed professional family counselor, marriage counselor or social services professional in your region. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jaws and One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth podcast under waiver. Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity employer with two Yorkie poodles and a rat terrier as the security detail. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.